Hello and welcome to episode three of the Cleontel podcast with me, your host, Robin Allender. Just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the series so far. I've seen some really lovely comments about how the last episode has helped people appreciate the new album in more detail. So that's been really, really nice to see. Um, The band are still on tour in the US. From all accounts, the New York show went very, very well. And this week they're playing in Chicago, Los Angeles, Pioneer Town, Big Sur and San Francisco. So head over to thecleontel.co.uk for more details. In this week's episode, I speak to drummer Mark Keane. Mark is also a pianist and arranger. He composed the beautiful radial pieces on I Am Not There Anymore and the Lyra pieces on Music for the Age of Miracles. He also composed the piano loop for Conjuring Summer Inn on the new album. And he's got an amazing story about that. And he sent me the original demo of the song. So if you listen to the end of the show, you'll get to hear that. So without further ado, here's my chat with Mark, which we recorded a couple of weeks ago. And to introduce it, I thought I'd play a little clip of a song called Last Orders from the Lost Weekend EP, which came out in 2002, uh, because this is the first of Mark's piano compositions to feature on a clientele release. So yeah, we'll just start by just having a general chinwag, really, but um, delighted to be joined by drummer and pianist Mark Keane from the Cleontel. How are you doing, Mark? Very well, thank you. And uh, where, are you, where are you at the moment? I'm in uh, sunny Trowbridge, uh, just outside Bath, which is um, where I've been for the, for the last few years. Did you grow up in that area in, in the West Country? Yeah, I grew up in Bath. Um, lived just opposite the hospital I was born in um uh yeah and then went to school there and then made the sort of long slow trip via Reading to London <laughs> and uh only only just escaped uh, right yeah three, three years ago yeah Red, Didcot Parkway Reading yeah <laughs> <laughs> great and so uh, so when did you move to London then was that um how old were you that was yeah that was um in 1992 mm roughly yeah yeah and was that to study or was it kind of no that was that was to live with um the connection with the band uh, i lived with jay uh, james's brother uh, when i first moved to london um so that was a year of working night shifts at sainsbury's I don't, well I, I did it for a reason to to pay off my student loan yeah uh, and i paid it off within 6 months cuz i was earning really quite well doing the night shifts and not being around to spend it. <laughs> and it was almost like uh, double savings. Double whammy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, great. So that's so that's the connection. That's how you met James and Alistair was through, you were living with James's brother. Yes, that, that that's how I was introduced. Uh, we actually played a gig going back to 19, probably the end of 91 or early 92, I can't remember, in Reading. Um, and the band, I remember seeing them coming in to the venue that we were doing a gig um but uh i didn't i didn't speak to them then oh okay and uh, and then i only really met them again in 99 when 
we started sort of doing rehearsals and uh, stuff like that. Oh right. So how how did it how how did it work? How did you join the band then? Because there were a few drummers before, weren't there? There were. I got a call um, from Neil uh, or an email um, saying that my brother's band looking for a drummer needs a drummer. Um, and I literally just started a new job, so it wasn't the best timing for me, and the job was full on. Um, so I said, I was kept saying to Neil, Neil, I, I, I don't know, I haven't got the time. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I, I'd like to, but I, I, I can't see it at the moment. So he he was very patient, and all the guy, everyone was very patient. And uh, so a few months later, they were saying, look, Mark, um, they really need a drummer. <laughs> you know, we, we, we think we think you're ideal for it. So eventually, it worked out. Yeah. Brilliant. So why 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 did they think you were ideal? Did they, had they seen you play before? I'd been in the band with James yeah, with with Neil as well, mm. um, and various yeah various incarnations of different bands with him since. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's how they they. I think I think James may have seen me play at one of the gigs that we played. So um, and he liked the band that we that we were. Uh, I was playing it at the time, so it, it all helped. I think. What kind of music was that band that you're in with, uh, with James's brother? I think it was, I think it was billed by by the band as folk rock, indie pop, something like that. I don't know. I think shit hot was at the beginning of that. Shit hot folk rock indie pop. <laughs> shit something hot, like that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, so so it kind of fitted in. Uh, stylistically with the Cleontel stuff, then you Absolutely. weren't in like a, a black metal band or something like that. No, exactly. No. exactly. No, 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 no. That's great. Because I do think, you know, your drumming is so, you're such a great player. It's so delicate, more like a jazz drummer, I think, in lots of ways. And it does really seem to fit in with what, uh, the, the music of the Cleontel. So was it kind of automatically, like when you first, the first time you three played in a room, did it really click? I think I remember the first time I played, I was, I was playing drums to listen to what was going on, um, to, to know to know how to, how to play, and I think that kind of carried on um, as we rehearsed more and more. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I just didn't want to sort of disturb the the music. You know, I wanted to add to it rather than sort of um, sort of trash it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a drummer say that before in my life. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. That's. Uh... That's really interesting, I think, because it is such a it is a very delicate sound, particularly on those early records, isn't it? Yeah, the early stuff. I love all the early stuff because I don't play in it, so they're they're kind of my favourite <laughs> uh, recordings. Um, but no, yeah, it, it was um, an interesting interesting transition. Um, we did a lot of rehearsing very early on, um, mm. and that that was in my old bedroom. We, we <laughs> I converted the bedroom in, partly into a into a rehearsal space. Um, yeah, but we, we did rehearse a lot, mm. um, and this, which is why the the, the older songs just are just so natural to us. We just we don't even have to remember them; it, it, they're just internal memory. It's all in the muscle memory, yeah. And I, yeah. I loved last time I saw you, I saw you in London last year, and playing you know the songs that are on Suburban Light. They still sound so fresh and. And yeah. yeah, you're very, very locked in together. Particularly the way you and James play together. I think there's, you've got a, yeah. a really lovely relationship. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, but there's 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 a, a sort of crossovers with any three piece. You have uh, rhythmical elements with all players. Um, 
and then see the intertwining of, of melodies with the bass and the guitar. It, it's it, yeah, three is the magic number, I think, for for music. What about growing up in in Bath? What were the kind of bands you were listening to, and um, and were you always a drummer? Was drumming was drums your first instrument, or was it the piano? Piano was the first instrument. I did grade one and uh, got beaten up by my uh, teacher uh, wow. with, with slap, slaps, not you know, not punched in the face or anything. <laughs> oh, <sweet. laughs> wow! Yeah. Uh, so I agreed to do the the, the um, grade one, and then I left it. Didn't play the piano for years after that. Had a piano in the house. Came back to it later. So the piano, yeah, that that was the first instrument, and I think the, the drums only came about because. Uh, I was in a band at school, um, and everyone everyone wants to play everyone else's instrument. Um, nobody wants to play the piano, so uh, yeah. <laughs> you know the, the guitarist wants to play the drums. You know, I wanted to play the drums, so we 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 all kind of taught each other. Uh, apart from me, I didn't have to teach anyone piano; they didn't want to know. Um, so I got a grounding in in how to play guitar and how to play uh, drums within that school band, but I wasn't really listening to any any music. Never went to any gigs. Bath isn't that kind of. I mean, there there was there are a couple of venues. Um, well, certainly certainly one that I can. Remember. Moles Club was had had a pretty good. Moles is the is the main one. Yeah, I think I've, I don't know whether I I think I've I think I've maybe been there once. Very distant memory. It's not me going to going to gigs is not something I generally do. <laughs> but what what kind of music were you listening to? Were you listening to a lot of? music that was around at the time or um my my early sort of uh connection to music was what was at home like most people uh we had a great eight track stereo in the house and in and in the car um uh which had you know abba um had a scott joplin tape which got me into playing ragtime early on um what else is there carpenters uh, soul and um mm. Right, so kind of the classics. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, that was it, really. No sort of major record collection, just a few 70s hits. <laughs> and what did you think when you first met Alistair and you first heard those songs? Do you, do you remember that? I remember, I, again, I think Neil or James, and maybe I was um, in contact with James at that point, gave me a tape to listen to, Um and I had to listen to it quite a few times to really kind of work out those those early tapes. I can't. They must have been Suburban Light or or earlier ones. I'm not sure. Um, it was it was difficult initially because it wasn't music that I was. Um, it wasn't the kind of music that I was listening to, or what mm, I've ever mm. listened to up until that point. So I had to listen to it a lot to kind of get a feel for every song. Um, you know, in the for the even the very first gig that we did, I I had to sort of often double check what song it was, or what the name was, because I had no idea what the name, what the names were. And, and how does that one go? Okay, yeah. well, I don't know that one. But um, yeah, it was all a bit of a blur to start with. But it but everything the sort of the mist cleared. You know, after a, a number of listens, the, the way I play the drums is to try and try and blend in and 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 sort of enhance. In, in any way I can, really. Mm. Again, not sure I've ever heard a drummer say that, which is. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you must have been very impressed with the songwriting chops on Alistair, I suppose, because those, those songs sound. 
iconic. You know, the first time I heard Suburban Light, it just felt like those songs had been around for years, you know. But he seems to be keying into something really special, I think. Did you did you kind of notice that? Yeah. No, I guess not at the time, but as as time's gone on, um, even the, I think the latest set of uh, recordings that we've done, um, I think it's just, I think it's some, some of the best stuff we've ever done as, as the three of us. Um, my I, Again, my favourite album is, is what are the albums, all the songs, or the early songs that I don't play on. Right. Um, they're, 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 they're the ones I enjoy. I do enjoy listening to the other stuff, but uh, it's because you're so involved in it and you, you've listened to it so many times and you've, you've gone through that process of, of like listening and correcting and changing and editing mm. and, and all that kind of stuff that it's difficult to listen to after that process. But the the most recent album is different. It's, it's, it's definitely one that I'm, well, I think we're all wanting to listen to again and again. It does feel, you know, like quite a departure, although it still sounds like a clientele record. Um, do you want to talk a bit about how that, the the new album came together and and what you contributed to it. Yeah, that it, it all started. Um, yeah, not not too long after we sort of finished touring and had had a bit of a break from the from the previous record, and um, it was a very sort of like song by song, piece by piece, um, it's a very slow process really to, to to start with, and then it kind of it did speed up towards towards the end. Um, uh, yeah, I think, um, I just came up with some ideas with the piano, um, wasn't really sure what, whether they're any sort of any use. Um, they just, they just came as they did. Uh, I thought, I thought initially the piano pieces were going to be more of, um, more of a sort of a, a, a longer piece, but they're all little fragments and when they stayed that way, pretty much. The other elements of, um, of the process were, Getting the songs, um, putting the nuts and bolts down, taking the songs away, um, and then thinking about how to add to add to the sort of uh, the basis of the of the recording. I asked Mark about Conjuring Summer In, a track he co-wrote on the new album, which is based around a piano loop. Well, yeah, the, the weird thing with that one, the original um, demo that I sent them was uh, was was a an attempt to play it, and I made a mistake right at the end. So I I looped it because because of the mistake, um, uh, and then I actually stuck it in and added some uh, some some strings as well, just just on the demo. Um, the the funny thing about that song is that. Um, because I work with pianos, uh, we get pianos in from from all, you know here, there, and everywhere where the owners want us to do some work on it. Um, that particular piano was um, owned by Christine McVie. Um, really, it was her tour piano. Yeah, the, well, that was the the demo was recorded on that, but the the because I didn't play it, it's you know perfectly in time for the loop to work. I had to do it again on a different piano, but by that time her piano had gone. Uh, but I've still got the original. Um, the, the original demo uh, from from her piano, um, so that was but yeah when she was still alive she got it it came into the workshop it was all battered up and nice it was a lovely Yamaha C three Grand wow um, but it had a lovely touch to it and so I just was noodling away on it and and that was the sort of the the the, the piece that sort of uh, that came out of that 
So that's incredible. I mean, so let's 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 break this down a bit. So you you work as a piano tuner and you repair pianos in Bath. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And and Christine McVie walks in one day. What? Yeah. No. 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 So this was this was my pre. So I moved from London. I was doing the same job in London. Right. Um, okay. The work yeah. the workshop there. Yeah. The workshop there. Um, they were sort of uh, the company was asked to, to to take the piano in, check the action, uh, do the regulation, tune tune the piano, make it do any repairs that needed repairing within the within the um, piano itself. Um, but the casework was was explicitly you know, explicitly said, do not touch the casework, leave it leave it as it is. We know it's battered, but it's her, it was a tall piano. Um, yeah. This was maybe yeah, sort of around about. 2019 ish right beginning of 2019 i think around that time um but did you meet her though oh no 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 no, no. she she never came in it was it was just that the piano was delivered it was it must have been in storage it was was coming out of storage i don't know where it was going but it it, it came in for the work and and, amazing uh but yeah that was that was it that's so that's such a great story the clientele link to fleetwood mac and um but that isn't the version that's on uh, that's not the piano that's on Conjuring Summer in then. No, no, no it's mm. it's not such a uh, not such an illustrious piano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was rec- that was recorded on my iPhone. <laughs> was it really? Yeah, because I was wondering. I love the quality of the recording on it because you know there's something lo-fi, but it's got a very nice feel to it. I've had a terrible time trying to um, record piano using various different mics and, and devices, but the best thing I found for just getting a demo down is is just a phone. So yeah, let's talk about the the radial pieces on the album. They're they're so beautiful, and as you say, they are kind of fragmentary. But it does feel like when you play them back to back, you know, if you skip through the four radial pieces that are on the album, it does feel like they are almost of a piece. So I just wondered how how did you write them? Are, are they are they improvised at all, or are they very deliberately written? No, they're they're all deliberately written. Oh, they don't they don't. I don't intend to to do any piece. It's just they they kind of um, they just well yeah. I sit down at the piano, have a noodle, sounds great or, or sounds rubbish. You know, <laughs> either way, if, if 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 it's good enough to keep, then I'll I'll remember it and then I'll play it again and then oh that you know that's how that one's going to work. And um, but it but it it's more a case for me of having the time to sit down at the piano. Um, and also, I think I think for me, it's the way it works is I sit down, I play other pieces that I've um, created. Um, it gets me in that sort of um, state where where I'm sort of relaxed and you know, in in the, in the sort of musical moment. Um, and then something else might come, or it might not. I can't, I'm always surprised when something does does come. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's quite a meditative thing, then, isn't it? Composing exactly. Yeah, yeah. The the reason I ask about it, whether it's improvised is because some of the pieces remind me of Keith Jarrett's kind of more reflective work. Like, there's a great album I really love called Dark Intervals, where it's these beautiful improvised pieces, and I think the mood of the radial pieces reminds me of that very reflective mood that seems to come from somehow improvising. It, for me, it's as if you're 
thinking on the spot or something, you know. Right. Well, I'm pleased it sounds like that because it's um, you don't want to be you want to make something that's formulaic or predictable, I suppose, in some ways. There's also some beautiful interludes on the last album, Music for the Age of Miracles. Um, there's a very good Australian writer, Anwen Crawford, and she wrote a really good piece about that album where she said, the clientele often dot their albums with short interludes, snatches of instrument and field recording, the effect of which is to nudge the rest of the songs into that other world to become things overheard there. The interludes are the thresholds really love that description of the, the function of these pieces on the album is almost like thresholds, bits between songs, you know. What, what do you think about the function of them in the album? The, yeah, I, they, they work really well with all the songs and um, uh, it, it's just nice to have that kind of, yeah, that time to kind of like to, to, um, to reflect or, or if that's what the pieces uh, do. Uh, for me, it's more how I feel when I'm when I'm playing those pieces. It's 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 you're you're sort of listening to what the piano is doing, and really just getting sucked into the, to, to all those those frequencies that that just sort of bubble and boil away. Um, all the pieces they just sound so much better when you're right in front of a piano and you have it. Yeah, have it. that's the connection. It, it and um, yeah. I don't know. I'm not very good at describing things, really. No, well, yeah, no, music is famously quite hard to describe, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, but that's that's a that's a lovely way of putting it that they sound better. They're they're kind of you know, there's a lot of space in them, isn't there? You hear those strings resonate, and you hear the notes combine with each other, and that's what makes them so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. When I'm playing the piano, it's it's um, it's almost like. Uh, when, when I'm playing a piece, it gets me into that into that mood, like like you would be waking up from a dream, and and the easiest way to get back into the dream is to re- remember what you were dreaming about, and maybe it's like a dream a dream state in, in some ways. I was going to just ask you again while we stay on this subject about mm. the ti- the titles of um, of the piano pieces because uh, in music for the age of miracles they're all Lyra Lyra in April Lyra in October is that uh, is that a Philip Pullman reference or is it something else? <laughs> no, well, I mean another thing. I mean Al really comes up. I'm terrible at coming up with an idea for for a name for a, for a, um, for any of the piano pieces. So. Um, I did actually come up with the Lyra just because there were so many references to to constellations, um, and it and it seemed to be but the perfect you know the, the lyre uh, is is an element of of a, of a, of a grand piano uh, pedal system. It's called it's called the lyre. Um, so I thought, yeah, perfect connection. Oh, am I pronoun- am I pronouncing it wrong? Oh no 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 not at all. Um, so yeah, the, the constellation is is lyre, but, um, but it. 
is is lyra but it's but it's also known as the lyre right uh, the harp yeah and, of course yeah. and and the, the the metal frame of a of a piano is in the shape of a harp uh and and the, and the pedals are called the lyre um, right Oh, it's beautiful. But it does give it that thematic continuity, doesn't it, with, all, with those pieces share the same name and the same with Radial in the in the new album. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the letter elements of that are, yeah, on the previous album, it's really boring, but... <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else to call the piano pieces as piece one, piece two, piece three. So this time I switched to, to letters. So it was... They were all different letters and then we just we just chose different letters for the... Oh, I see. Okay, and why the word radial? Um, I, I, I did. That wasn't that wasn't me, but I, um, uh, I like I like the idea of it just uh, because they are they are so similar. Um, they're all pretty much in the same key, or or they're in keys that are compatible with each other. Um, whereas Conjuring Summer is in a completely different key, um, and I wonder whether the, whether the the context of of a different piano, um, yeah, may have influenced that. I don't know. Nice. Yeah, and you also play the Celesta on one. What was that like? Yeah, that was fun. Um, we hired the Celeste uh, from uh, a company. Um, it's just I'm very fussy with um, with how because of, because of my job, I'm very I, I like it, the action to be a certain way on any piano. Uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, mm. I don't like to have to work too hard. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, with my fingers um but um but that was that was i had to be very deliberate in the way i was playing it so i had to it, it, i had to change the way i was it took me a lot of takes to get it right and sometimes i played the note and it wouldn't play because <laughs> i wasn't playing it you know in the right in the right te- intensity The, the Celestis does have those lovely other sounds that come with it. Like, I mean, is that the sound of pedals or is it just the sound of the keys going down? There's, there are these lovely kind of clunky sounds. You can hear the instrument. Yeah. Yes. Uh, from what I, from my, from my technical background in pianos construction and, and it's very similar to a piano inside. Um, the hammers hit uh, rather than strings, they're hitting um, a xylophone effectively. Um the creaking is to do with the, from what I could tell, was the damp- dampening mechanism onto the. So there's a, there are damping dampers in a piano. You'll see them that, that engage with the strings. But on a Celeste, it engages with the with the xylophone bars, um, and it, and it's the uh, it's the uh, damper the damper springs that are the things that are creaking. Really nerdy piano uh, <laughs> mm. piano trivia. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, but it sounds like that's be- that's become in post classical music. It it does seem like that's become quite trendy nowadays to have all those other sounds and things. You hear that quite a lot. Yeah. 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 Oliver Arnold's is a very good pianist, and some of his stuff definitely has all that quality. It sounds very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of almost become, you know, now you get MIDI instruments that have those kind of clicks and things. Right, right. And those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Inevitably, uh, but um, are there any other classical musicians or pianists that you particularly enjoy listening to, or is it you kind of more of a autodidact? <laughs> mm, uh, I I don't 
I don't listen to that much. I, I've I really enjoyed um, listening to uh, old old vinyl records that I picked up from a charity shop. I had so many of them. They're all gone now because I, I moved from uh, living uh, on land to living on water for, for about uh, 12 years. Oh, wow. Um, so everything went on to MP3. Uh, List is great because it's just such a show-off. Um, uh, Chopin, obviously, is fantastic. Very, very kind of emo- you know emotional. So it makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up on some of the pieces. Um, I guess Sati, you know, who can... Who, who doesn't like Sarti? <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- those are the sort of three that come, come to mind. Debussy as well, do you think? Oh, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a big, um, I don't know that much about classical music. but No, but yeah, it's not the same, but, you know, I know what I like. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does t- it tends to be kind of, yeah, French, turn of the century kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I really love your playing and the, the, those pieces just really bring the album together and they're very beautiful. Thank you, thank you. Did, do you write them at home and then record them in the studio in London? Is that right? They, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, it's so bad. I haven't, I haven't had time to sit down in front of a piano for, even, I work with them all day, but I just don't, there's no, there's no, um, there was more opportunity in London um, so it would be generally at work when I was in London after after hours I'd just be noodling away sometimes or or if I yeah as as with that other piano um, just had time yeah um, I don't seem to have as much time anymore <laughs> it should be the other way around you should leave leave the city and have more time but no <laughs> yeah what what was that you said earlier about you you moved on to the water where, where were you living yeah I was living on a, a narrowboat. For, oh, yeah, for twelve years, that that enabled me to change career from computers to to piano tuning and, and restoration. Right, because um, there's no way I could have done it uh, and um, earned enough money to pay rent uh, to mm. live in London. So, um, in the in the previous job with computing, I had enough money saved up to buy a small narrowboat, uh, oh, which great. is fractions of fractions of a, of a property, you know, land property. Um, and and then working uh, and training as a as a technician, then um, was was fortunately able to save enough to uh, um, to keep the boat. And now I'm sort of back on land again. Right, nice. Oh, so you still have the boat though somewhere? Or have you sold it? Yes, yes. Mm. It's more it's more of a sort of holiday thing. Great. <laughs> work work in progress. Yeah, that's lovely. So yeah, you you work full time as a piano tuner and you repair yes. pianos. Yeah. So how do you how do you balance that with being in in a band as well? Well, um, we've done it for for years now. Um, it it's it's busy at times, but we've done it for for, for many years. And we, there's only a period maybe of three months, I think, where. Where we didn't really sort of have, have full time, well, we weren't sort of working full time. We were touring too much, um, 
don't know. I think Al maybe have, was was because he was writing so many songs. Um, he he was spending time to dedicate yeah to, time to that for a period. So he he was probably spending more time in in that phase. Sort of strange geometry. God say the clientele. Um, in that time frame, yeah, he uh, he was very much focused full time on the band, pretty much. Why do you think the band has lasted so well? You seem to be a very tight unit. Do you think that's part of it that you get on so well, or, or do you think it's kind of James said it's to do with not taking it too seriously? <laughs> oh, I think we're just we're just very stubborn, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it seems like you know that that there are long breaks between albums you know you all have jobs you all have other work but it seems to be that you've kind of found the secret for keeping a band going in a way because it's really hard in today's climate with with streaming and everything yeah i think um we did a lot going back to that time where we we were we did a lot of touring we did sort of month trips back to back pretty much one in europe one in the us um it was tough and i, I think I don't know. I, I certainly thought I don't know how long, much longer I can do, do that kind of or live that kind of life. Um, so the the way it it's worked out really is is I think perfect because it you, there, there are these periods of intensity and then periods of of uh, of relative calm, um, and that's that's when you dive into the music or you you have ideas and um, but yeah it's. Yeah, there 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 are good parts to 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 touring, and there are also bad parts to it. Um, but taking taking time over an album, taking time over recordings, I think is definitely the way. We we did it the other way for a while. We were we were recording numbers of songs per day. Uh, we were doing a stretch of a two week session, a two week studio, doing it all in that in that time. Yeah, but now it's a lot more kind of relaxed. You'll take your time on a song. Yeah, and also. Because previous albums, we were um, relying on funding to a certain degree um, from from the record label in or record labels, and then uh, the more recent things that we've been, we've been we're um, we're funding every every piece of recording that we do. So ultimately, we own the recordings at the end of it, which is a much better yeah. situation. Uh, Absolutely, it's a good position to be in. Yeah, sure. Alistair talked about with the new album, he was very interested in capturing the kind of first performances of songs or very early performances of songs to capture some spontaneity was that was that different to how you've done it before uh not not so um well actually yeah yeah so previous albums going back we would rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and and nail it before we went in i think maybe because they were the time constraints of the studio um uh, a lot of the takes the trump takes so they are surprisingly first takes on 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 most of them um not not on the recent ones because i haven't been playing so much <laughs> i don't really have a drum kit so it's, oh, right. it's it, it, i do the rehearsing in 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 the studio on the day um wow so that, yeah that's a bit well different. that's how the beatles did it didn't wasn't it you know so yeah. <laughs> there's some brilliant drumming on it not least dying in maze very very interesting Alistair talked about wanting a real jazzy feel for that that song. Yeah, the, um, so that one I did when we, when I'd moved out of London, uh, I was living with her parents for a while, um, and I did have space to, to set up what, what drums I had. Um, 
so I, I could actually pl play along with that one. So Al, yeah, he sent me a um, those flamenco beats, um, and then I and then I, I worked out or I played a drum beat which fitted in with those um, fl flamenco beats, pretty much. Um, it's a, it's a weird one because it's it's a natural drum beat, but I I couldn't plan to to have done it. it it's just that that's the way that it feels right for me to to play. Yeah. It, yeah, it feels like there's a certain amount of kind of syncopation with the the hand claps and things and things going in and out of phase and things like that. Yeah, yeah, mm. it's a great song. But essentially, that essentially that that is a, a drum loop as well. It's 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 one beat which is 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 essentially looped. So I'm giving all the secrets away now. <laughs> <laughs> I should be able to play that one live. Uh, I've been I've been practicing it with my, on my hands and knees. Nice. <laughs> 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 but that's a, that raises an interesting uh, point that a lot of these songs might be quite hard to, uh, to to play live because of the reliance on you know samples and there's lots of arrangements and different production elements. How, how are you planning to tackle that? Yeah, um, we we did something similar with um, Lunar Days. We had a backing track uh, for that one, um, but that was on that was on an iPad, and I just brought the iPad along and just pressed play on it. Um, I've kind of um, because there are so many more. I've kind of I've just got a drum pad which has got them all loaded up in. Um, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be, have to be a bit more techy for the uh, for these uh, for these newer gigs. Uh, so I'll have to have a, a way to have a click. Will, will you all be playing to a click, or just just you and everyone plays to you? Kind of on on those particular beats songs that are very important, like 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 dying in May and uh, fables. If we, but then, and then again, you know, we have a rehearsal on Saturday, so I'll, uh, <laughs> I don't know how it's quite how it's going to go yet. <laughs> so it's all very new. Garden Eye Mantra is the one. Which I think could sound brilliant live if you trigger those sub bass samples and things. Absolutely, that that's loaded up already. Yeah, great. So we're, we'll rehearse that to, uh, tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And and you're going to do Fables of the Silver Link live as well. I think so. Uh, that might be tricky. That might, might be trickier for Al because I think there are different tunings. Right. Um, there might be three different tunings. So I don't know how, we, how he's going to get around that. So. <laughs> Yeah, and the, and the Spanish there's a Spanish vocal part as well. And yes, yeah. There's a lot of lyrics to remember as well. So. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't answer that. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of um, interested when I spoke to James about Alistair's lyrics. I sort of I asked him, um, "Do you ever ask him, you know, what what this song's about or what this lyric lyric means?" And he said, "No, never." <laughs> you know, yeah. is that the same for you? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's only recently, you know, another kind of thing that I'm sort of slightly embarrassed about is that I never really, even any music I've ever listened to in the past, I never really listened to the lyrics. Mm. Um, and it's only from being in this band that I've become interested in the lyrics. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I pay more attention to the lyrics in songs that I've not been, you know, not paid attention to. But the the they're beautifully kind of enigmatic lyrics as well. Like, I don't like lyrics where it's too much like telling a story or you're, mm. it's beating you around the head with what the, the song is about or something. 
there's so much more yeah. interesting where you can't quite work out what's happening or you can't quite follow yeah. the thing. And it's in that mystery that, you know, you can really get lost, I think. Yeah. 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 There are a lot of, um, there seem to be lots of references. It's almost like the same, it's almost like looking at the same image from, from various different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether that's, that's really, it, it seems that way to me sometimes. It was such a good gig when I saw you last year in London because I think it's so hard to do quiet music well live, you know, and and so many bands just turn everything, you know, everything's up to 11, particularly the drummer is really smashing stuff. So it's so hard. It's so rare to see a band play delicately and play quiet music well. Has that been a challenge for you when you've been touring, you know, if you're playing in a noisy club or something like that? Uh no, I think I, I can remember many, many gigs where, um, where we would we would start playing and we think, oh crikey, this is this is going to be a waste of time, you know. And uh, <laughs> we've been surprised, and uh, everyone's talking and eating and you know clanging their plates and whatever. Yeah. And um, and, and, and eventually, after a few songs, we we kind of realise, yeah, sure, everyone's listening. <laughs> nice. And uh, so those those moments are nice, but it, but you equally you get the. The rowdy venues. Um, sometimes we, we we try and compete with it, but sometimes we don't. <laughs> yeah. Was it hard at the start when you were starting out and you were doing, particularly at the time, I guess, you know, sort of end of Britpop and stuff like that, was it hard to start out and be playing quieter, gentler music? No, it didn't, didn't, seem, that, didn't seem that way. Um, I, I kind of wonder whether, because of the place that we were playing in my old bedroom or rehearsing there quite a bit, um, there was a young family next door, so we, we, we often we'd, we'd be we'd get a knock on the door, and the, the children would be around saying, "We really like the music, but do, do you think you could turn it down?" <laughs> yeah, so that's the secret to the clientele sound is uh... yeah. rehearsing in, in a restri- restricted place. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> trying not to wake people up. <laughs> It's so lovely to see you can you know continuing to play after all all this this time as well. You know, James said it's been over thirty years. You know, you're such a beloved band. Why do you think you inspire that kind of a level of affection? I've I've no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's lovely though. It's nice. It's, it's very nice. And actually, that you know that that um, we get played on the radio and everything. It's just mm. amazing. It's just yeah, incredible. Are there certain songs you play? live that always get a really good response like i know when you played reflections after jane that that seemed to really go down well are there certain songs that you look forward to playing because of that there's certain songs i enjoy playing just because i enjoy the drum beat yeah yeah <laughs> uh i want you more than ever is great to play on the drums mm. um and, and it's a great song as well so it's like double double whammy for me um there there are other um songs that we don't really play that often like george says he's lost his way in this world which is brilliant to play on the drums but uh maybe i'll suggest that at the next rehearsal that we, we've, we've played these songs you know hundreds of times and what surprises me is that 
they, they it, every time we play them, it's just like the you know, the first time. Oh. Uh, that's really good. Am I right in saying you used to do losing Haringey live and get someone else, someone someone on to read the text? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Will will that will that be a, a part of the new, the the tour? Do you think? Or? Uh, we did it on the last tour. Did we do it on the last tour? We did. Um, yes, we did. Uh, we did it on the last tour because we did it for the KEXP uh, radio session. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know whether we'll do it on this tour, unless there's someone who's. I mean, we heard have, have had guest people come up and um, do do the spoken word part mm. uh, before. I think we're always open to offers. Nice. Okay. That's that, that song seems to have a particular. Following, I think it seems to have touched a lot of people. That song, yeah, yeah, it's got a nice, it's got a nice sort of hypnotic, uh, rhythmical, r- repeated phrase of the, of guitar and lovely, yeah. And um, Alistair's other spoken word songs, "The Green Man" is one I particularly like as well. Do you think there's a part of him that wanted to be a writer, not a musician? I'm sure. I'm sure that um, he has that that passion as well. I mean, he has written. Uh, I don't know whether you asked him about the the book he wrote. Um, well, yeah, he mentioned that in the pub after. Yeah. Um, I interviewed him. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Have you Have you read it? Or... No, I think um, I heard sort of occasions where he, he he was in discussion with publishers and and then rewrites and edits and all that kind of stuff that goes on um, with books. But it's a natural it's a natural progression, really, or, or a natural sort of element to anyone who's writing writing lyrics um but you know he's 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 a great artist as well you know sort of uh painting or, or you know, drawing and stuff uh, yeah yeah there's a beautiful painting by by him in the in the gatefold isn't there of the of the new album yes mm-hmm. yeah What what are clientele tours like? Are they just <laughs> are they behind the quiet facade? You're complete rock and roll animals, or are they kind of <laughs> well behaved affairs? <laughs> uh, they're, they're, I, I guess in the grand scheme of things, they're incredibly well behaved, right? Uh, but um, no, they're they're, they're um, crikey. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to answer that. It's a silly silly question, really. Well, no, no, no. Oh, it was very well behaved on the last tour because um, we had um, two of two of our three partners came on the tour, so <laughs> uh, they were always sort of looking out for our um, healthy options nice. uh, in terms of drinking and eating. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't think we've ever gone really. Or maybe we did uh, on a few tours. <laughs> yeah, mm. but have drunk a little too much, maybe. Nothing, nothing worse than that. Yeah, sure. Are you looking forward to the the US tour? Yes, um, yeah, it's going to be um, going to be very sort of uh, swift, swift and um, a speedy affair. Uh, but we're still in the process of working out how we're going to how we're going to do it. Um, I think we might be driving ourselves this time for for parts of it. We did that last time, so um, I don't think we had. A, yeah, we didn't have a tour manager last time. We um, I did most of the driving. Um, and then the other bits and pieces were done by by the crew, uh, or the, the van crew, or, or all of us, everyone who was in the van, basically. Right. How much? So, how many crew do you take 
take with you? Is it? Well, last the last tour, we, yeah, was two, two or three partners and three of the bands, so five uh, for most of that tour. Uh, so, but you didn't have a guitar tech or, or you know, roadie or anything? Oh, no. no I don't right. think we've, ever, we've never had one. The tour managers always sort of doubled up as, as like, uh, carrying some amps and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's funny. I mean, when we were in the in the pub after I talked to Alistair and James, I said, yeah. um, do you have a manager or do you do it all yourselves? And they both said, we have a manager and we do it all ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Which made me laugh. <laughs> But that's so cool that you do you do all that yourself when you're on tour. Um, but I guess your setup is very kind of minimal as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I think this this time it's it's down to the fact that we we can't really afford uh, a tour manager <laughs> uh, because I think we're we're going to have to end up um, buying some of the flights and the gear and the and the van hire on on credit on credit cards. Uh, we don't we don't have the money um, to. Um, we spent it all on on visa applications and uh, and what else have we put it done? Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, the visas are very expensive, but yeah, there you go. I, was, I hope to sell a lot of t-shirts, I guess, to make up for it. That that's the only way that we can break even. Yeah, t-shirts, merch. Yeah, uh, the tour itself is is generally always loss making. Suddenly thought I could probably send you the the original demo of the of that piano loop um, from from Christine McVie's piano. Oh, that would be uh, it's great! Quite, it's 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 a great little recording. So you get the you get the buses screeching, the brakes screeching outside on the street. I've added a bit of reverb and stuff, but um, yeah, I'll send I'll send it over with this with this file we transfer. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, that that's yeah. fantastic. So was that recorded on your phone as well? Was it? That was it. Was yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> sad, isn't it? That's yeah, it's done on the phone. Yeah, stuck it into GarageBand, put some reverb on it, put put some strings on it. And, but the, but there is a mistake, so it, so it does go. It doesn't follow the the the, the loop exactly because at the end it goes. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> you, you'll hear it. Yeah, oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. We'll play a little clip. Great. So what? That's thanks so much for joining me, Mark. It was, it was really good. No problem. What are your plans for tonight? Tonight I've got to, I'm going to have dinner. Nice. Uh, I'm going to pack for heading to London tomorrow for the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. pack all my new uh, tech, techie gadgets for, for drum drum beats, uh, you know, drum beats and everything, uh, and the keyboard because I'm going to be playing the piano part for um, Chalk Flowers. Oh, great! Um, in the intro, when I was playing the guitar. Maybe we'll get James doing the the cello part on his on his bass. Who knows? Nice, that's great. That I mean, that's one of my favourite songs from the new album. Actually, Chalk Flowers. I, I kind of think of it as being the the centre point of the album somehow. Well, it's my favourite of the whole of the whole album. That is my favourite track. Absolutely, I think. Uh, um, yeah, I think it's a favourite for, for all of us. Why Why is it that you like it so much? I think it it kind of evolved. That song evolved. I think Al Al sent an idea through, and then um, he said he'd almost forgotten about it. And I and I I picked it up, put put some piano on it, and it was very difficult. Oh, no, actually, it was just it was just piano, a piano idea for the song that wasn't with the track. Um, mm-hmm. And then the song got reworked, and then the piano piano and bass and everything sort of came in a bit later. 
so that was a real collaborative um, uh, creative process that song uh, and it's and it's my favorite one of the whole uh, the whole album Thank you so much for listening to the Cleontel podcast. In next week's episode, I'll be speaking to Alistair again, and this time focusing in on his lyrics. The Cleontel podcast was produced and edited by me and mixed and mastered by Johnny White. If you want to get in touch, you can find me at Robin Allender on social media, and my website is robinallender.com. And you can check out Johnny White's music and comedy at johnnywhiteReallyReally.bandcamp.com. Uh, Before I go, point of interest about the Lyra pieces on the Music for the Age of Miracles album. The song Lyra in October was written by Mark, but was performed on the harp by Mary Lattimore, who is a brilliant musician, and you should definitely check out her album Silver Ladders. It's absolutely fantastic. And also, the song Lyra in August is only available on the deluxe version of the album, but it's worth getting hold of because it's a really beautiful piece of music. Anyway, as promised... Here is Mark's original demo recording of Conjuring Summer Inn, recorded on Christine McVie's piano. <laughs>